Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Masu 2020 Unwritten Podcast. My name is Amy, and I use pronouns like she, her, and hers. My name is Yoko, and I use pronouns she, her, and hers. And my name is Meredith, and I use pronouns like she, her, and hers. We are your advocacy committee for Masu from the University of Minnesota Twin Cities. Through this podcast, we'll be sharing stories from our community, exploring themes that we revisited at the conference. We're back with another episode of the Masu Unwritten podcast. Um, today we're joined by another lovely guest who will introduce um, themselves in a moment, but this is Meredith. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I'm one of the advocacy committee staff members. And my name is Amy. I also use pronouns like she, her, and hers, and I'm one of the coordinators for Masu's advocacy committee. And today we have Nicole as a guest, and we will let Nicole introduce herself. Hi, I'm Nicole. I use pronouns like she, her, and hers. Um, I just graduated in December, majoring in psychology, and I am not a staff member in Masu, <laughs> but happy to be here. Great. So um, Nicole is here and um, is happy to share about some of her story, and in this conversation we'll be focusing on um, mental health, especially within the Apopita community, and um, we'll just do a quick disclaimer that these are our stories and don't represent the full community at large, but wanted to share some of what um, we've experienced and what we've seen with the rest of you. So I guess to start out, um, Nicole, I know you mentioned that you've done some research in this area and found some statistics, so um, are there any in particular that you would like to share? Um, well, I think the like statistic that most people who know about this topic would know um, is that Asian Americans are three times less likely to seek help when they have mental illness than um, white American peers. Mm -hmm. um, so that's um, one uh, major statistic that um, there are a lot of barriers that keep us from getting help, like stigma, um, language and cultural barriers, um, healthcare, um, and so on and so forth. Um, I don't really have any statistics prepared. Um, okay. But I do know that um, I initially uh, wanted to major in psychology because only like 4% of psychologists are Asian American. Um, and so when you do try to seek therapists that uh, share similar identities, it's very hard um, to do so. Um, and uh, another one, um, I do have some, <laughs> um, is that um, we report, or Asian Americans report fewer mental health conditions than white Americans, but we are more likely to consider and attempt suicide, mm. um, which could speak um, towards like uh, this idea that we have to like keep things bottled up and not um, talk about um, mental health. So those are some stats. That's yeah. interesting. I didn't even know that only 4% of psychology yeah. majors were Asian American. Yeah. That's uh, huge. Yeah. A uh, uh, 2015 study done by the APA Center for Workforce Studies revealed that white Americans comprised of 83% of psychologists. Um, black Americans represented about 5.4%. Uh, Latinx psychologists represent about 5%. And Asian Americans are at the lowest of 43 mm -hmm. um, And I know there was a stat on um, Native psychologist and it was like very low um, but I don't have that stuff right now. Yeah that's so interesting because I know we 
at least I, I guess, have been thinking a lot about, like, um, healthcare and, like, even, like, mental health, where a lot of it does have to be, like, culturally appropriate. And even you mentioned the language barrier. Um, and my mom actually works as, like, a translator within, like, the medical field, and a lot of this is, like, not necessarily mental health related. I don't think she's actually done anything that is mental health related, but just like understanding the language and a lot of like the really technical terms. Like she has to learn like all these terms in English and then in Chinese that like I've never even heard of in English, right? And so having people who are like immigrants or refugees or um, come in here and aren't familiar with the language, like it is just a huge barrier, like not academically, but like linguistically. Mm-hmm. I know there are like mixed um, results for studies that look into like whether or not it's better to like have a therapist that shares the same identity as you, but mm-hmm. I do know that um, a lot of people report like um, just feeling more comfortable around people who share similar backgrounds, um, that you're more likely to open up um, and there's a lot less shame. Mm-hmm. Great. Um, well, we can maybe backtrack a little bit and just talk about um, our own mental health journeys and what that looks like with um, our identity. So one thing that we have been kind of thinking about um, really to this topic is how your understanding of your identities, whether it be racial, um, ethnic, gender, sexuality, or anything else has been influenced by your mental health or even vice versa. I can start. Um, I feel like I don't have a lot like a really coherent answer to this question. I feel like I've done like a lot of reflecting on my racial and ethnic identity, but not so much my mental health in relation to that. Um, I can talk a little bit about my experience and where it all started. I think in high school was really like the peak of my encounter with like the mental health professional world and kind of like seeking treatment Um, and I remember our school had a really great social worker (laughs) and she was like this really nice middle-aged white lady and that was that's like forever my like perception of what a mental health practitioner or um, social worker is like Um, because like both people that have been in my life have kind of fit that same um, like image in my mind um I think at the time that I was like experiencing this like really deep depression and anxiety during high school I did not feel comfortable talking to my parents about it um I come from a Chinese American household and both my parents are actually like involved in healthcare in the U.S. um in different ways and so for me it wasn't as much like uh oh, I don't think they'll know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't think they will understand because my mom is a family physician and literally sees this stuff every day. Like, she sees people coming to her office with um, mental illness and is on kind of, like, the the treating side of that or, like, the prescribing side or whatever. Um, so it wasn't, I don't think, the fact that I didn't think that they would know what I was talking about really or there would that were, there would be a barrier in that way but I think I just felt as though I shouldn't be experiencing these things or that like I wasn't my feelings weren't valid basically it was um a good way to sum up um what I was feeling in high school and I think up until that point I 
really had to contend with the fact that like this was impacting my life outside of just my mental and emotional well-being like this was impacting my academics and my social life and relationships with people that I really cared about and I didn't know how to deal with that like I'd always gotten relatively good grades and like I was a really quiet kid and so speaking up and like advocating for myself and admitting that I needed help was really difficult even in a household where I felt like we had the information and the language available so that's kind of where I was at in high school um thankfully I was able to like eventually talk to my parents about it I had a lot of support from my friends um at that time and I think there was like other challenges that came afterwards with like well, what form of treatment should we pursue? Like, I did therapy for a little bit, which was great. Um, did medication for a little bit, which my parents were, like, not very into. <laughs> um, and I think, though, like, came out of that with a lot of coping strategies, which have been really helpful in college. Um, and have I think have really equipped me to better talk about mental health and mental health in my own communities and so now in college when I'm in spaces with more Asian Americans more people of color hopefully I can like share my experience a little bit more openly and um, relate to other people a little better because of that experience in high school but yeah I don't yeah that, I'll end it there <laughs> and let other people talk I definitely like resonate with that that's very similar to my experience like starting to realize that like maybe the things I was feeling weren't normal in like middle school and then throughout high school trying to navigate that I can share my story as well because mm -hmm. I definitely think sharing stories can um, make a huge impact and um, make people feel a lot less alone or at least know that like they're not alone in what they went through um, uh, so I guess I should start with like when I first like kind of like knew what depression was what mm -hmm. mental illness was um, and I don't think this could be like triggering to people, but if it is, um, trigger warning for suicide. Mm -hmm. um, when I was 10, I had a family member. Um, he was 25 and I was 10, so I didn't know him that well, but he did babysit me as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, he committed suicide and that was like the first ever funeral that I went to. That was like my first ever um, like, um, like situation where I had to like face like death and like the fact that like adults aren't perfect and um I remember like my parents not really talking about it a lot me asking questions and them trying to like shut it down um them trying to navigate like how to talk about it but also like not having the language doing so and so when I started feeling like kind of depressed and isolated in middle school I like kind of knew the language, but knew that my parents didn't really understand it, so I didn't talk to them, and I didn't really talk to a lot of people, because it felt very, like, um, like, stigmatized. Like, I didn't know how to talk about that with my, like, cousins and my friends, um, and I felt like I was really aware of, like, the, like, cultural reasons for why I didn't really talk about it. Um, I was really aware that my parents are, like, Cambodian refugees and survived war and um, 
maybe I always like thought maybe like they didn't want to talk about it because like they have their own trauma it feels so weird to like talk about this and there's no like right way to like tell yeah your like story but when I was in high school um I had like really bad panic attacks and like not the greatest self-esteem and I guess like that's where like my like gender identity kind of started being more like I was more aware of it because like I had a lot of self-esteem issues with like my weight and like body image um and I had a lot of anxiety just about like my weight and stuff like that um and then still didn't really get a lot of help for it like I talked to a social worker at school once and she was not the most supportive um and um it wasn't until college until I like sought help um and I tried throughout college like I tried therapy like three different times and it wasn't until the third time where it felt like right um I've tried medication I've been like on and off and it's been like still hard trying to find like the right medication um but yeah like I don't know how to like tell my story but that's kind of how like my identity played a role in it Mm -hmm. um but overall I still feel like I'm still on my like mental health journey like yeah um like mental illness mental health doesn't like have like a really clear solution of how to fix it like sometimes I hate like comparisons of like you go to the doctor if you have like um like a like a broken leg so why don't you go to like a therapist when you have um depression but like you might have to go to like a therapist like a bunch of times and try like a lot of different things mm-hmm. um yeah it's really complicated yeah I think that's interesting because when I think about it a lot of it is in like relationship to my experience with like my parents and growing up with them too because beyond just like mental health I know I mentioned that my mom now kind of works in healthcare but this was pretty recent it um was just in like the last year or so but growing up like my parents didn't really believe in like healthcare in general um like my parents would never take medicine my they hardly even went to the doctor like my dad did a checkup maybe like every five years or something so I remember even just like actual things that I could see you know like I remember very vividly like so I used to play volleyball um and like people would get not like seriously hurt but like they would sprain an ankle maybe or like have really bad bruises and like people would just like pop Advils and like go back on the court which is like probably not healthy but (laughs) I remember like vividly being in Costco and like purchasing like Advil right because like I know I would use it like a lot of my teammates would use it and like they were like big bottles and my dad was like like you don't need that like you can just go back on and I remember just like the way that he spoke about medicine as if it was like this almost like it was like steroids or something that like was not fair that like people just like shouldn't have like that it was unnatural um and I think that is kind of the mentality that they'd see like western or perhaps like modern like healthcare in general because they think and perhaps to some extent it is true that like your body can just like fix itself right (laughs) but like maybe it doesn't have to um and I think that is also like kind of the mentality that like I went into with mental health um I struggled with it pretty early on like middle schoolish even like earlier middle school and there like was the internet at the time and things like that but I don't think people really talked about it um and maybe this is just in college maybe people were that I just like wasn't in contact with but I just felt like there wasn't anyone I could talk to and 
from a very early age, it was always like a very independent thing and not something that like I would seek external help for. Um, and I think from that point, like seventh or eighth grade was probably the worst of it. And since then, like from high school on, it's gotten better. And it's actually been interesting because sometimes I'll like look back at like myself, like junior or senior year of high school where I was like, I'm doing fine. Like don't really have to worry about things and like look at things I was writing or like things that I like saved on my phone that resonated with me. And I was like, yeah, like I was actually really sad. Back oh, then. No, I was emo. Uh, <laughs> Looking back at Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so true. Right. And it's like I can't sometimes even like imagine like being that way and like waking up and like not wanting to wake up and like, you know, these ways that kind of just like cloud like your entire life. Um, which is like so interesting that like it's, you know, been years, sure, but like also only years and I sometimes feel removed and when people say like I just like can't go to class like that's not something that I really experience anymore but like I definitely felt in middle school but then I had to go to class right there was no choice um and so it's kind of interesting to me because I feel like as experiencing mental health when I was younger it was a lot about just like surviving and hiding it and now like by dealing with it in that extreme it feels like I'm able to just like manage it more um and I've sought some like external support and um, college as well. Like I think there are just like more accessible like counseling services and I've given it a try, um, but it's always almost felt like, okay, now I have to explain like everything in my life, like yeah. going back to like when my parents were like kids and how all of it like influences me. And part of it too is that like Meredith mentioned, a lot of it is like really well-meaning, but also like people who don't understand what it means to you know, come in a family where, like, you can't have Advil, right? Like, yeah. it's just, I think, mm -hmm. a different experience that you don't understand. Um, and one other thing that's interesting, like, I know I was talking to a counselor once who um, also, like, well-meaning white woman, and she, like, actually said, like, I think that it would be a lot better if you spoke to someone who, like, came from a similar background or, like, identified as, like, Asian American or something like that. And she said there is one um, on East Bank, which is, like, part of this campus um, with that identity and I remember just like thinking that like there's one for like the school with like literally thousands of like Asian Americans right and like it's almost like pitting against pitting like these people with these identities like against each other to have this like one resource because I know that like I take time up with this counselor that's time away from someone else which is like not necessarily the way to think about it but also like it is just like one person and a lot of I think this mental health work has to be so like culturally appropriate and having so limited resources for that is definitely like a barrier um even in college when it is like more accessible mm -hmm. for sure yeah if i could bring up one thing i remember in those in like my high school days when i was talking to my social the social worker at my school and the therapist i had at the time i like so desperately did not want them to blame my mental illness on like my parents parenting <laughs> if that makes any sense like I I really sat there and like didn't didn't want to say anything about my parents or like whether or not they were strict or whatever because I didn't want them to like latch onto that and be like oh that's the reason why or like make assumptions about my like culture or not even feeling like I couldn't bring it up because I didn't want them to have that assumption about me and so I remember really like trying to navigate that and feeling a little bit restricted because that was 
something that I wanted to talk about. Like, I wanted to talk about my relationship with my parents, but also felt like I had to keep that information, like, hidden or, like, I couldn't speak openly about it because then there would be some, like, assumption about my culture or whatever, and I just, like, did not want to get into that. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, I... Like, I was, like, super protective of my parents, and I feel like that's common being, like, a child of immigrants. Um, But, like, when you're, like, dealing with, like, issues like perfectionism and, like, you're struggling with, like, school and that's, like, deeply related to, like, academic achievement Mm -hmm. and, like, all these, like, other, like, very, like, Asian cultural issues, like, the model minority myth and the forever foreigner, if you're, like, feeling a lot of anxiety about all these issues, like, does that mean that there's something wrong with your culture or you and then but you don't want to blame your culture because you have a lot of pride in it Mm -hmm. and then it's like this like yeah whole thing and yeah it's it's really hard to like find like white therapists who would understand that (laughs) yeah but then there's so few asian american psychologists or therapists that you can actually talk to and i could definitely relate to like i don't want to take up space that someone else could have or like it's insane that there's only like a couple Asian American psychologists on this campus. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, I think it's interesting. So, as someone who has done a lot of this work just like myself, I think I have grappled a lot with like the issue of like, okay, is it like my parents or is it like my culture? Like, what part of it is toxic? Like, is it the family or is it just like all that as a whole? And I think it's interesting because a lot of cultures like do clash. Like, if we talk about like, even something like timeliness or just like general values of like respecting elders and things like that's not necessarily what I believe in but is also kind of like a culture that like you know I was raised in um to I guess the extent that they show up in my life but like I remember when I was younger I think the two were really conflated and it was actually when I read The Blue Aside by Toni Morrison that I feel like was like a moment that I was like okay like maybe this is something that like other people think about too because the premise of the book is that there's this young girl who is in like a really dysfunctional family and she just like believes you know based on like Shirley Temple dolls and like tv shows that like if she has blue eyes or like looks more like white that like her family situation would be perfect Mm -hmm. and I think like I never really like said like oh like dear god when I wake up in the morning please let me have blue eyes or like please let me be white but I always just like looked at like people in in my class like white people and been like oh like I'm sure their lives are better like I'm sure they don't have to deal with this and maybe they didn't but maybe like the uh, there are like I I reject I think the notion that there are no like healthy like Asian American or like families of color right and I think there is something to be made there and I don't know like how much of it still is based around like people and how much of it is based around overall culture um, and I think that's something that like is so interesting because both I think are influenced by the next and especially in like this generation where you have kind of seen both cultures and how they um, are similar or different like you kind of almost get to create like your own sense of like being in the middle and these are like the things within the culture that like I want to keep and really respect and do the, the things that I just don't necessarily think mm-hmm. are important anymore and so I think that really gives us an opportunity to like change the narrative and um, I think mental health like is right in line with that about how we talk about it and like experience it and interact with it. Right. I really lost that. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe we can kind of shift the conversation to healing, kind of the other side of 
mental health and mental illness of like experiences strategies how you think about self-care community care what are those differences and coping like what can that look like and how to develop coping strategies if anyone wants to kick us off well you bringing up like a book that helped you like really like start thinking critically about like culture and identity and mental health just made me think of like what really helped me throughout high school which was like reading and like whether it be like kind of a way to like escape from Mm. like how I was feeling and just like live in another like narrative or to find experiences that were similar to my own like that definitely helped me a lot um I feel like self-care is often like watching Netflix and stuff (laughs) and like escaping is great but um also finding books where like you can think critically Mm. and like start to like analyze like why you feel certain ways Mm -hmm. um is really helpful um yeah I like that a lot I think something that I've been really reflecting on is how much I've learned from so I'm a I probably mentioned this before but I'm a gender studies major and some something that's really valuable that I've learned is how to think structurally and how to understand that my experiences are always going to be influenced by the environment I'm in the society I'm in and like the power dynamics that come along with that society and like where I'm placed in that society and how others perceive me and so um it's not always like the most uplifting (laughs) stuff to read about or learn about um but I think it's definitely helped me contextualize my experiences and understand that no this is not like a personal failure of mine of feeling this way or like there are real concrete reasons why like my race and ethnicity and gender and sexuality affect my mental health and and reasons why um like I'm feeling sad about a lot of things that are wrong (laughs) with the world I think that another thing I've learned is how to really not like try to escape those negative feelings but to understand that like I feel a lot of empathy for people and that there are lots of horrifying things happening to our planet and to the people in our world and that it's okay to feel sad about that um and trying to then see your place in that like how do we then move to act or move to change or move to care more um and so that's something that's been really helpful for me of like not thinking so individualistically which I think our American society so wants us to do yeah I think that leads like perfectly into like community care and like once you like recognize like the structural components that like influence our mental health and who we are and recognizing that like like how much we're like impacted by our environment you can start to think about like ways that we can care for our community and create a world where everyone is like happier and healthier um and where we can like support one another and try to like dismantle all the like systems of oppression that like hold us down and make us feel awful in Mm -hmm. this like world right now um i think like one of those things is like definitely like trying to like break the like stigma of mental health Mm -hmm. in the asian american community but then also like there's something like also like 
bigger things like fighting for like higher minimum wages so we don't have mm-hmm. to like work all the time and feel so burnt out all the time mm-hmm. or like trying to protect our environment so like we can enjoy being outside mm-hmm. and feel less sad in cold Minnesota <laughs> um, and like just like focusing on like community care and like fixing all these structures that are like hurting us definitely is a part of healing mm-hmm. because it's something that I feel like it, it gives us like control over something we really don't have a lot of control over mm-hmm. um, and even something as simple as like talking about mental health within like your family or yeah. like your friend group can make such a big like impact because then those people might be more willing to be vulnerable and then create like a wave of happiness <laughs> yeah yeah and I think it's interesting when people talk about self-care because there are like the small things that definitely help like you know going outside or like drinking tea or like you know you see all the things that are like do this to be happy which is not like how it works but it also it like is and it isn't like it is a very temporary I think relief to a lot of things but to me I think one way that I think a lot about self-care is um, in line with also like self-discipline because I don't think that care is always just like immediately soothing right like I Mm -hmm. think um, holding yourself accountable and like ultimately I think like making yourself like better in the ways that are important to you like is caring for yourself and especially like caring for your future I think it's like an investment to you know like get a degree or like read a book even if it isn't like super fun in the moment and so I think that like caring for like what happens after is like a really big part of it um to me and another thing that I think about like related to this is um just like letting yourself like fail sometimes and Mm -hmm. I know like Nicole talked about like perfectionism especially like within our communities and like growing up I think especially as like the oldest daughter it was always just like everyone's watching you you know like you know that like a lot of your relatives are like in like rural China like not doing well at all and like you have all these opportunities to like take all of them and like always you know get the best grades and like do the best but I don't think that like is a way that like really allows you to grow and I think in some ways like failing is a really painful way but also a really good way to grow um I'm thinking especially of there's a youtuber I don't know if he still youtubes but (laughs) his name was like Dave Frank and oh yeah yeah, this was a while ago but I remember in like high school I he has this he would do all these series about things and there was one in particular about rejection where he talks about how like like there are people who just never get rejected and they never know like Mm. to what extent you know they could do more but if you reject that means you're like you're like playing with essentially your upper limits like you know where you are right now and you know that this is something that in two years you can do better right and so I think allowing myself to just keep trying and like failing and not seeing a failure just as a failure but as part of the process has been huge and just like not trying to like limit my development to only successes at a time but and do the whole thing I guess if that makes sense Mm -hmm. I love that what you said especially about the self-discipline aspect I think that can sound sometimes a little like harsh out of context but sometimes I really in the middle of like an anxiety attack I'm just like 
you know, what's going to help me right now is not to put on a face mask, but to, like, answer the six emails in my inbox. <laughs> and that's not really, like, that's part of, like, toxic work culture also, but it's also something where I'm, like, understanding what I need to do for myself so that tomorrow I don't have to answer all those emails, right? So, like, tomorrow I can feel a little more relaxed, like, take a breath. Um, and understanding that self-care can look a lot of different ways and doesn't necessarily always look like indulging or consuming um but yeah thanks for all of those yeah and I know I've seen I don't know a ton about research here but that like procrastination is honestly a lot based around like anxiety and fear Mm -hmm. um which I think there is a conversation as well that like you don't have to be working all the time but I think having like time to just relax when you know you should be doing something is different than like having time to relax after you've done something like it Mm -hmm. feels just like more like relaxing I guess and so I don't know like sometimes I do going back to like how this will help me in the future like it is I guess like that sounds really selfish but like it is something that it's like caring for you like in two hours like you tomorrow like Mm -hmm. letting them have like a better set of circumstances in which they'll be able to do like what they want in a way that you know is better for them Mm -hmm. that makes me think of like something I saw where it's like mental health is like a housing problem and it's um like a healthcare problem and it's like all of these different systemic problems like all these systemic problems contribute to mental health because you can't focus on your mental health Mm -hmm. if you don't have a job if you don't have a house if you don't have health care um and so like self-care isn't always pretty it's like trying to make sure that you have all these things um and I'm also thinking about that like I should know what the name of this pyramid is, but the, like, Pyramid of Needs. The Maslow's. Maslow's, yeah. <laughs> Psych 101. <laughs> yeah. But, um, like, you really can't focus on yourself if you can't, make, like, make your basic needs. So self-care sometimes just looks like taking a shower mm. and, like, trying to eat healthy and trying to, like, and financial health, too. Like, work sucks, but sometimes, like, that's, uh, self-care sometimes because you need to make sure that you can pay rent mm-hmm. yeah I mean sometimes if it's like 10 p.m and I'm just like not feeling it I'm like I have so much work to do but like I know that I'm not getting things done like in a way that like I would be able to if I was well rested I'll just like go to bed and like mm-hmm. it helps and maybe that yeah. is like the most basic of my needs <laughs> but like the next morning I'll wake up and be like okay like I still have all this to do right but like I yeah. just like feel like I have more energy or like I'm able to actually tackle them instead of just being overwhelmed because that like is not going to actually let me get things done. Mm-hmm. I think something that that has been really healing for me is like actively seeking out communities of color and like communities of queer people and people that not think the same way that I do but have similar experiences and similar politics um, and making time to spend time with those people because that is a huge part of community care for me is like seeking out people who I want to talk to <laughs> and like who understand me and who encourage me to like think more critically and confront like my identities and my relationships so I will say that, like, my first year of college, I was, like, not doing well at all, and I completely isolated myself. I did not join 
and like student groups, never set foot in like ASU, never tried to like uh, find like multicultural spaces. Like the Women's Center was the one space that I went to my first year and that mm-hmm. helped so much. Um, but it wasn't until like sophomore year where I actually like sought those spaces where I like had better self-confidence. Like I had people that I could like authentically rely on and talk to about my problems because I didn't realize that I needed that mm-hmm. like growing up in like a predominantly white suburb like I mostly had like white friends and I couldn't just talk about like my like issues with my family because they wouldn't understand mm-hmm. um and like I really learned kind of late in college like how important finding community was mm-hmm. and that helped so much mm-hmm. like healing yeah I agree I think that's huge and part of it too um, is that you don't have to, like, explain yourself in those spaces, or, like, you mm-hmm. don't have to, like, represent, like, an identity or anything like that. Like, I think you're able to just, like, I mean, not shut off, but, like, not be, just, I think I, a lot of times I'm, like, hyper aware of the way I show up in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, there's this book that's, like, it's called, like, So, so You Want to Talk About Race. It, I think yeah. it's kind of, like, like, it's a really good book, I think, especially for, like, a lot of like white people honestly who are trying to understand this better but the author uses this analogy that's like racism is kind of like you're walking down a street and everyone just like out of nowhere and you don't know who will just like punch you in the arm and like you know maybe it's accidental but like being punched in the arm is like almost like a microaggression and if you like get mad at someone they're like oh I just sorry like accidentally like shoved you like I didn't mean to right and it makes you seem almost like Mm -hmm. like blowing this out of proportion Um, And so maybe, like, these spaces, more people are, like, of identities that you also, like, identify with and, like, don't, can talk about or decide just, like, not to talk about or just, like, a space where no one, like, will make a microaggression about it or, like, no one will, like, punch me in the arm just, like, (laughs) out of nowhere, right? And just, like, having that reassurance, even if you don't, like, think about it, you're, you're, like, oh, like, I want to go into, like, the ASC, which is, like, the Asian American Union um, room because I, like, don't want anyone to, like make a comment about my race like you know I don't think about yeah. that but I think or like I just want to eat my lunch in peace <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah without like people asking like oh what is that yeah. or, like something like that like it's almost a form of like psychological safety mm-hmm. perhaps um Absolutely. and having that common ground I think is huge um and I think another thing that's huge with that is just like investing in relationships um mm-hmm. I think growing up a lot of us are like taught to, in some form that like romantic relationships are like the only time that you really like talk about like everything that's going on and like it's kind of like the epitome of like what a relationship should be but I think there's something to be said about like I mean whether or not you want to call it a date or not like going like out to lunch with like your friends or just like really spending time with people and like prioritizing those in your schedule um Mm -hmm. and like what that does to just like I guess like help carry each other's burdens and like at least kind of know and like support what's going on to like whatever ability you're able to. Absolutely. I feel like we should wrap up yeah. this episode. Um, I think to close, I'll ask everyone to share like a book, movie, TV show, podcast, song, anything that you've been enjoying lately and want to recommend to our audience. Amy's already recommended <laughs> a lot of things. So <laughs> thank you for that. But if you want to do another one, you're more than welcome to if you want to do two. Um, Nicole, would you like to kick us off as our guest? Sure. Um, I've been watching way too much TV this past winter break. Um, um, so maybe I'll recommend like 
two TV shows because I can't pick. <laughs> um, the first one I am like almost done with season two of is Killing Eve. Amazing. Such an amazing show. Like Sandra Oh, phenomenal actress, and Villanelle is like the other character mm-hmm. in the show. Like, oh my god, if you like, like, I don't know, like psychological thrillers, like crime stuff, but like, it's different. Like, yeah, it's, it's a little spooky. So if you're not into yeah. that, if you're not into like, there's a little blood. Yeah. But it's the the storyline is so gripping, and it's like beautifully like directed, and like the cinematography, the costumes, like everything is so beautiful. Um, and then the other show that I'm watching right now because the last season is coming out soon. Um, is BoJack Horseman, which I think is, like, the best show out there that, like, represents, like, uh, like mental illness, addiction, like, a wide array of, like, issues. Um, there's a character, Diane, uh, who I think is, like, the soul of the show, and I love her so much, and I, I think those two shows are, like, my favorite shows, like, definitely, like, in my, like, top five of all time. Thanks. Yeah, I guess over winter break, I feel like I've been watching a lot of movies. Like, every night at, like, 6 p.m., if, like, my brother and I aren't doing anything, we'll be like, let's watch a movie. And most of them are just, like, yeah, online. But the one that we watch in theaters, which I would recommend to everyone, is Little Woman. Like, it is just stunning. Like, there's not a scene that is, like, not just, like, gorgeous. And, like, I don't care about, like, 1800s America or, like, these... (laughs) I, like, I, I mean, I never, like, really cared about the book or anything, but... Did you read the book? I think I might have at some point, but I don't even remember. Like, I, it wasn't about the premise, but, like, the director, like, all the actors, like, every scene is just so good. Um, and then one, uh, like, mo- movie or documentary, I guess, that's on Hulu right now that I actually just watched, like, two days ago is called Honeyland, which I would never have picked up or, like, heard about, but it um, is one of the nominees for, like, Best Documentary for the Oscars and it's on Hulu so I watched it and it basically follows this like beekeeper in Macedonia who's like one of the last like beekeepers and I like did not expect to be like blown away by this movie I was like okay great like bees but like (laughs) within like 30 minutes I was just like holding my breath like I was like I like the bee movie I guess that's so funny if you liked the bee movie (laughs) perhaps you will like no, it's, like, completely different, but it just, I think, showcases, like, the humanity of people in really very different, like, situations than um, I've ever grown up in, and, like, I think a lot of their interactions with nature as well, and, like, I honestly just, like, my breath was, like, I don't know how I'm still alive, because I was holding my breath for, like, an hour straight, um, and it's, like, you know, it's, like, not, it's not an unhappy ending, it's, like, you know, someone's filming it, so, like, she's gonna be okay, but the whole time you just like want to root for her you know um who's just like this beekeeper in macedonia so we'll definitely recommend that one as well awesome um i'll also do two since everyone <laughs> did two um so i'll recommend a book that i recently read it's called on earth we're briefly gorgeous by ocean vong and ocean is a poet and this is his debut novel and it's kind of a memoir, kind of a fiction, but it's written in the form of a letter to his mother who can't read. And so it's it's about his childhood. It's about kind of it's kind of a coming of age. It's it's really it deals a lot with love and relationships and understanding his identity as an Asian gay male. And it is just stunning and breathtaking and beautiful and sad (laughs) and so if 
um, you're into any of those topics, or if you've read Ocean's Poetry, I would highly recommend this book. I finished it in one day. It was amazing. Um, And then I'll also recommend a a podcast type of thing that I listened to recently. It's called Moonface by James Kim, and it isn't a podcast in the traditional sense where it's like each episode is about a topic or whatever but it's kind of a story like it's it's a tv show but just audio um and it's really short it's like six episodes but it's about um it's kind of about james i think the main character is based on the creator of the show but it's it's really comical it's also kind of about coming out to his mother who doesn't speak English very well and it's about him trying to find a job and it's about his relationship with his friends and and living in his hometown and so if you have like a couple hours (laughs) there's not very many episodes but I would highly recommend it um really funny and a lot of relatable emotional moments in it so great well thank you all for joining us today on this episode and we hope to see you at the conference